everyone. Welcome to uh, this AMISH session with uh, Vision. Uh, I am Madhumita Mantri, product lead at Startree.ai, which is an early stage startup in Bay Area focused in real-time analytics and anomaly detection. I'm very excited about this AMS session, especially the topic is something very close to my heart. Uh, it's about how to start new products that people love. And we have an expert with us and we'll love to hear more from him today and learn a lot. So without further ado, I kick off the session. And my first question to you, Vijan, uh, I hope I'm pronouncing your name correctly. Yes, it's close enough. Thank you. <laughs> uh, can you please share your career journey and career success recipe in product management overall and something not on your LinkedIn profile? Yeah, sure. So my, my career journey has been a complete um, wild um, explosion path of just um, curiously exploring new technologies and um, new products that uh, we think significantly improve productivity um, per capita. So I my academic background is engineering, electrical engineering and MBA. But um, since my graduation from university, I've either run at my own startup or I've been a product manager. And um, the, re the reason I became a product manager was because I had a, a startup that I was running for a couple of years. Um, things weren't really working out. We had a few customers, it wasn't gonna scale. And I was trying to figure out what to do with my career. And a friend of mine told me that I should become a product manager. And I didn't even know what product management is. So he told me, look, I think you are a product manager. You should be a product manager. And without even knowing what it is, the word sounded very interesting. And what sounded very interesting to me was being in charge of a product, which has been really my passion, even with companies that I've tried to start on my own or um, teams and projects that I've joined. So um, totally accidental. From there, I started looking for product management jobs. I landed my first job as a product manager. And as time went by, um, I became more and more interested in the field. Um, in my last role as a full-time employee, which was like over a year ago before I became full-time focused on um, product management exercises that we'll talk about, um, I was head of product at a company called Mina Protocol. Um, this was a project that was worth about $3 billion. And um, I came in halfway through um, the project uh, being in incubation. Uh, we made some major changes to the product roadmap, product strategy. We brought a lot of focus to uh, what the company was going to deliver. Um, and I think we were able to successfully deliver um, the first version of the product. And we were in a good path to deliver a second version, which is pretty much like um, just a few months after I left. So that's kind of my journey, at least from a product management perspective. But I've also been a founder um, all the time. I've always tried to kind of play around with new technologies. I have two products right now that I'm carefully managing and I'm trying to grow. Um, the first one was is product management exercises. It's a community of over 150,000 product managers that help each other prepare for their PM job interviews. We have alumni in every single top tech company that you can imagine. And then the second of all, the second one, um, is also a brainchild of um, PM exercises and um, is trying to tackle um, 
one of the biggest problems that I've seen um, it existing in the whole world of product management, which is that there's usually lack of clarity on what needs to be built and what should not be built. And this results in a lot of back and forth between product and eng. It results in a lot of wastage of energy because engineering ends up building something, then a product says it's not what I wanted. Um, designer says it's not exactly how I imagined the interface to look like. Uh, so what Product Monkey does is it uses AI to consume as much context as it could about what you're trying to build um, through images, um, through text, through audio, um, through your previous work. And using all that content as input, it's able to actually give you very, very detailed requirements and engineering task tickets that you would not have been able to produce on your own because it just takes so much time. So it really solves a couple of different problems. Um, it makes product managers a lot more efficient because it produces all that work for you pretty quickly. It makes the whole team more productive because it allows you to actually reduce all the back and forth and like kind of get rid of all the ambiguity. And it actually empowers a lot of the other um, teammates across the organization because you can also use the same tool to, for example, provide test plans. Um, that are a lot more detailed than the QA team is used to. Um, so that's what I'm doing. Um, my target audience, I think, in my life is our product managers, and um, I enjoy serving them because I think that um, the more we can train good product managers and the better tools we can provide to them, we can actually lift GDP per capita by improving productivity using better product management techniques that create better products that are more useful for everybody. Um, so that's my journey. That's very inspiring. Thanks for sharing your journey. And I cannot um, disagree with you completely like about the product management exercises. Huge fan of that platform. Uh, when I was preparing for my interviews, I've looked at several platforms, but something I really loved about this platform is how the questions are um, answered in a very unique way. And th those insights, somebody as a candidate appearing for interview um, generally don't have. And most of the time, interviewers are looking for those insights and nuggets. So thanks for doing such an amazing work there. And I completely understand what you said uh, or empathize with the uh, challenge that you mentioned around uh, uh, like creating requirements. And then there is a lot of chaos going between in engine design. I think we haven't solved that. And really, uh, I'm going to definitely try out Product Monkey and see how that's going to help in our space and highly encourage everyone to try both the platforms. So, um, Thanks for creating this impactful uh, initiatives. And I really loved like how you said uh, empowering the PMs, how it can help further create great products. So it's a good segue um, to our uh, to my next question for you. How did you come up with this idea of product management exercises and product monkey in overall? And uh, how uh, this can specifically help for PMs to leverage and uh, learn and grow? So I think um, for me, in order to be excited about building something, I have to be building it for myself because that makes it a lot easier for me to imagine um, the user journey that a user goes through and the kind of pain points that they deal with. 
So let's start with PM exercises. I was actually preparing for a job interview. I was really frustrated with how um, there weren't good material available for me to prep for my interview. And I'm sure a lot of PMs um, have felt that experience. So what I did on that night, instead of actually preparing for my interview, was I created a WordPress blog. Um, I posted an interview question. I typed my answer. And I published it. I published a link to that WordPress blog post on Reddit. I asked the Reddit community and product management subreddit to give me feedback. I went to bed, woke up in the morning. I saw 12 people saying, Bijan, this is amazing. This is exactly what we should do. Um, this is what we need in a community. And that was my validation. So I think there are a couple of important things here. One is my time to market was two hours. It took me two hours from the ideation to actually launching an MVP. And it's very important to be that rapid, that quick um, with shipping, because um, we're always um, under so many wrong assumptions about um, the journey of our users or the pain points that they have and all our assumptions on like what's cool and what's not, um, that we're going to be making so many mistakes along the way. And the only way we can kind of minimize the impact of those mistakes is to release and ship very, very rapidly. So the first version of the product came out within a day. After that, people told me continue. Um, for about 100 days or so, I kept posting one question and one answer every day. Um, as the number of questions increased and as the number of auditor viewers increased, People started telling me, why are you the only one who's posting answers? Um, we actually have feedback on your answers and um, we want to share our thoughts on how we would approach it. So I said, okay, that's great. Go ahead and publish it. So I started rewarding the questions in a way that was kind of inviting everybody else to post their answers. So they started posting their answers. Then a couple of weeks later, they said, why are you the only one who can post questions? Like we're all going through job interviews and we like to share our questions and challenges we're facing. I'm like, okay, great. So now we need to move to a Q&A platform. We move to a Q&A platform and then the users say, well, you got all these different questions and answers and some of them seem to be better than others, but how do we evaluate what's good and what's not good? So can you give us some frameworks? So from there, frameworks came in. And then they're like, okay, you got all these frameworks. Can you just have a place where we can just quickly go through all the frameworks? So from there, the whole interview prep course came along. So along the way, I didn't have, to be honest, this grand vision of, I want to change the world by um, you know, creating PM exercises to do such and such. My strategy was pretty simple. I want to create a platform that makes it easier for people to prepare for their job interviews in the field of product management. Um, people came along afterwards, um, copied PM exercises, which is a good thing in my opinion, because my idea wasn't to really optimize for revenue, was to hopefully create a lot of other people like myself who can use this platform to become better PMs. And um, throughout that, journey, a lot of them decided to kind of branch out to these other fields, like, you know, software engineering, biz ops, product design and all that. Uh, but for me, um, it was a very easy decision, not get distracted because um, I was driven by something bigger than um, optimizing for revenue and profit. We stayed focused on product management interviews, and um, that allowed us to solve for problems that a lot of other uh, companies or service providers I came to the space 
uh, would not be able to solve because, for example, you have a problem that's very specific to product management, not ca other categories. And this kind of took this snowball effect over time to becoming a good platform. Um, so that was the journey for PM exercises. And for AI, uh, for Product Monkey AI, so at PM exercises, one of the other things that we do now is um, we have a cohort on AI product management, which is, um, it's basically a, um, I think it's the best program that you could possibly have in this world uh, when it comes to AI product management. And um, we started this because it was obvious to us that um, AI is um, the next big platform shift. And as product managers, we should be in front of it. We need to really embrace it. Um, and as we started that journey, um, I kept thinking like, what is that thing that you could do um, that significantly improves productivity per capita uh, for product managers? And along the way, I was really struggling with clearing finding enough time to creating detailed requirements and engineering task tickets uh, for my engineering team at PM Exercises. And one day, it, the idea kind of came to me, like, why don't I try to use this um, AI uh, language models to see if I can bring a lot of clarity. Um, and again, we took a very similar approach of, um, let's see what we can ship within two weeks. Um, in this case, it was a lot more complex than um, what we did in PM exercises initially, because you had the AI part, you had a back end, you had a front end. Um, you actually had to take the information, process it, create an output. Uh, we're able to ship within two weeks, and um, the feedback was positive. Um, we used uh, the PM exercises community. We announced it through our community. Here's a new tool. It's free for the community. Uh, we want people to give us feedback, and from there on, it's been growing and. Uh, you know, the PM community has been embracing it. It's a free tool for the PM community. Um, again, I'm not optimizing for money. We're optimizing for um, enabling people to um, be more productive. And I think here again, um, the big lesson um, that one can take with themselves is um, we started with a problem and not from a solution. We didn't say, okay, we're going to take AI and just like figure out a way to use it. Uh, we started with, okay, this pain is really severe. Um, and I had a lot of experiences dealing with that. Like in my last role, for example, even as head of product, um, the reason the company was struggling with shipping their product for about two to three years was because everybody, every engineer's view of what was an acceptance criteria was very different, especially when you spoke to the technical specs and what's an acceptable uh, performance of this technology. So um, I had really felt the pain and um, I felt that it was something that I was building for myself. I use it a lot myself. Um, that's the only way you can really improve it. Um, we've been constantly iterating on it. We're carefully looking at engagement metrics, how people are interacting with it um, and making it better. And uh, we do have a longer term vision in this particular case. Um, our goal with PM exercises is to make it as easy as possible now uh, for anybody to become a product manager. Because now it's not only about the interviews, what we learned is that as long as you go through the PM exercises learning material, uh, you actually become a, you become a product manager. Like you become a really good product manager and people continue using it. Now, the goal with Product Monkey is to continue supporting the user throughout that journey. 
uh, actually enable them to now use this tool to create good products and be very effective, be at 10x PM for the rest of the organization. Um, so the journey here is again to, um, the, the objective here is again to serve the product managers and help them become a lot more productive uh, and not, not optimized for um, revenue and profit. So we're kind of a different type of company. We're not trying to uh, become a, you know, a unicorn or anything like that. That might become the case over time uh, by us living in a world where there are maybe a hundred times more product managers than there are now, because all of a sudden you've removed the barriers for people to create products. Right? If you remove barriers for people to remove create products, I think everybody has a bit of a product manager in them uh, that might come to surface and say, I want to build products. Um, so yeah, that's that's the journey and really kind of embracing uh, what we think is the right way to contribute to the community. Great cause and impact and truly um, inspiring. Uh, I can totally understand what uh, everything that you said, uh, especially productivity is a big concern for PMs and um, the chaos and, and working at a startup or at least a startup or even big companies. There's a lot of back and forth. And I can totally see um, how this is going to be very helpful. And uh, preparing for PM exercises is another big thing. Like I have faced myself just for preparing for interviews. Uh, I have become a better PM uh, over a period. And I continue to do that even now, like uh, going through the exercises. So thanks for uh, sharing your journey, how you started and such an impactful product. And you're optimizing for impact as versus uh, revenue. Uh, my next question to you, um, since we are talking about building new products, what uh, key factors should entrepreneurs like you or more people like who are aspiring to be uh, entrepreneurs, um, they can uh, primarily uh, be benefited and consider those factors in identifying those potential new product? Uh, I think you said like your passion and finding the problem. If anything more that you would like to add to that. And yeah, so a couple of things. In, uh, the area of like resonating with the customers, because that's one piece I've always found hard, like when you don't have anybody to talk to just in the very early stage. So um, really good question, because I think one of the biggest mistakes that we make is uh, we get excited about features rather than um, the amount of impact or amount of value that we can bring to our target user. So how do you know that? I mean, I think a um, couple things. One is you have to think about the alternatives to your product that exists today and how those alternatives uh, will work themselves out in the long run. And if you can still contribute and add value, right? So for example, in the case of PM exercises, one might say, yes, it's easy for somebody else to copy it. And you're totally right. Somebody could go in and just like create the exact same platform and all that. But um, when you look at community angle of it, that part is not easy to um, copy. So you got to know uh, what it is that adds so much value to the users um, that makes people want to stick around, right? And uh, even... As of now, if you go through um, signing up to the PM Exercises platform and um, subscribing to the yearly package, you will still be asked at the end of the journey uh, why you had decided to pay. It's because we carefully look at 
what it is that makes people uh, choose us. And it's very important for us to be aware of it. And of course, as a startup, um, the early days are more qualitative than quantitative. So you got to have like some sort of an, you know, it's like industry insight or like, you know, conversations with people that you've been around um, or group of friends that all have told you to have the same pain point. But you got to start with something, right? And have access to a group of users that allow you to give and receive constant feedback from them on whether or not you're going the right path. And as time goes by, um, these tools are becoming more and more popular, right? So for example, on Discord, right? Um, Discord is a public forum or like public chat platform now um, that's a great place for you to engage uh, with those few users, even if it's like, you know, 1% or like, you know, 0.1% um, of the of the of the whole user base, but you're able to engage with them. Um, they'll tell you what's bothering them, what sort of features they want you to develop. Um, because they enjoy that personal relationship with the founding team of a project, you can ask them to hop on a call with you and have a meeting with them and ask them about the journey that they're going through and try to kind of detect the sort of pain points that they're dealing with along the way and hopefully turn that into a product. Now, I, I should also say that at a very high level, um, there are two types of startups that you can create, right? Um, there is a type where because of your kind of um, deep industry knowledge, uh, you know the, the user base, you know the target audience and you know the pain point you're trying to solve and you know what sort of things they need. It's a matter of you really staying focused and building your product to reach that point of um, kind of uh, minimum quality um, that gets people to actually use it and tell others. And then there's this other case where um, you come across a technology um, that's a no-brainer to you. And you can see that this will make um, you know this particular use case in variety of industries um, a lot more uh, productive and a lot more smooth and better um, to go through. And in that case, you might decide that you're going to go build the technology, right? And then try to find product market fit, right? Because in that case, you don't really know what sort of use cases are going to emerge. And you're going to see that a lot more, especially in the consumer market, where you're kind of like, you know, releasing something very quickly. You're trying to see what catches fire. And then if you see that, um, you know, there's some sort of a product market fit, then you try to put more fuel into the fire to kind of go from there. So really two types at a very high level. Um, for myself, um, with both PM exercises and Product Monkey, I've been part of a camp where um, I had a pretty strong hypothesis on what the problem statement was and what the solution is. But um, even if you know what the solution is, you got to work very, very carefully with um, the the, the users to make sure um, that you, you don't go off rail and you're actually building a um, you know solution that's solving that that problem that um, is your hypothesis at, in that moment in time. Uh, unless you kind of decide that, okay, I'm going to actually have um, a different problem statement uh, and now I'm going to be solving for that. But it's important to kind of like maintain that relationship uh, and um, constantly validate that. Does that answer your question? Yes, it does. And uh, key takeaways from for me, especially the community building 
first where you could have access to users getting feedback it could be as small as on the platform discord i think that's a very valuable insight the second way of uh, uh, thing that you mentioned like where people build the technology and then find a product market fit so i have a quick follow up question to that usually uh, how long um, uh, like people should try with one problem statement and finding a product market fit and say, uh, should we time box that or be patient with it? Like what what would you advise on the either pivot or sunset? So I think um, it's also a little bit qualitative. You have to know what your hypothesis is and say, my hypothesis so first of all, you build a technology, right? You want to build a technology, maybe initially, to keep it a little bit generic, um, to see who shows up. Then once you see who shows up, you have to start developing hypothesis on who is the target audience and what sort of pain point you're solving for them and how does it actually work in their journey. And how it works in their journey is very important because sometimes... You can have a product that adds a lot of value to them, but because of the user journey, um, that person is not able to use your product. For example, they're part of a company that's very strict with compliance. No matter how much value you provide um, to that audience, right? Um, the sales cycle or the onboarding process is gonna be very long unless you can kind of think of creative ways of addressing it. Uh, in order to adopt your technology. And sometimes you might have to make the hard decision of saying that for now, we're not going to serve that audience because we're just going to run out of cash before we close the sales cycle. So what it means is that you will have to kind of think about who's my target audience, what sort of problem I want to address, I'm, I'm thinking and I'm addressing for them. And then you go ahead and validate that. And this process might take longer for some user groups than others. But typically, if you have a product market fit, within the first 100 or so users, you'll see that. Like you can just see the how it resonates with them, how they get upset. If you're not updating the uh, product very quickly, you will see how they get frustrated um, if something is not working. And those are usually good signs. It shows that there's some sort of an engagement. Um, and, and that's when you decide that, okay, maybe there's potentially a product market fit. Um, but a lot of qualitative metrics. Um, there's some quantitative metrics that you can also think about. Like, for example, uh, one of the things that people say is if if your target user group, for example, um, you know, 20 to 40% of them um, are retained um, after 30 days of interacting with your product, um, you can say you have product market fit. And the closer you are um, to the 40% or bigger than that, the more of a product market fit you have. Right. Um, now, having product market fit doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to win that market. Um, I think it's important for us to kind of realize that. And, and the reason for that is sometimes you can have a product market fit, but it's very hard for you to reach that audience. Right. Like, for example, that audience uh, doesn't search for a solution to their problem on the web um, or um, they, they cannot just start using your product um, directly. They have to go through some sort of a um, you know, longer term process, which kind of prevents them from using your product for a long time. Um, so product market fit, finding that product market fit is kind of like one aspect of it. And then the other aspect is like, can you really serve that market and 
can you um, grow very, very rapidly to capture that beachhead market? I think you have articulated it uh, very nicely and thanks for sharing that. That's really helpful. Uh, my next uh, question to you is, could you share some strategies or frameworks that um, can help teams uh, validate their ideas that they are coming up with and uh, more so more effectively and before even investing in it significantly? Yeah, so um, first of all, document everything because it's so easy to um, be in this like, kind of vague uh, mindset of, um, are we really like validating our assumption that there's a market here or not? Like you need to be as clear as you can on like what your hypothesis is, what are your criteria of success for that validation is, try to be as quantitative as you can. And then from there, um, come up with like some sort of an experiment um, that tells you whether or not there's a market. So for example, in the case of Product Monkey, we're pretty clear. We're like, we're going to reach out to X number of product managers. We're going to see how many of them are going to come back. We're going to interview them. We're going to provide a survey to them and ask them what they think of the experience and whether or not this replaces what they're doing. We're going to look at the retention rate. And then we're going to decide if this is something worth pursuing, right? So you want to kind of be very like quantitative uh, with your hypothesis. Um, and and that's that's the way to do it, right? Like you want to be kind of very um, clear with your um, assumptions and then go after validating them pretty, pretty quickly. And if you have a product market fit, if you do have a product that people want, um, what's interesting is they're typically very, very um, open to dealing with a product that, that's very rough around the edges. In fact, it's not too bad if your product is not perfect. Because if everybody comes to your site and leaves right away if something is not working well, then maybe that's a sign that you didn't really hit a nerve. But if your product copy and what you're presenting as a solution is resonating with people, they will be frustrated and they will contact you and they will not let you go. They will be, hey, you told me this thing works. This thing solves my problem. It's not solving my problem. Who do I need to speak to to actually get this thing working? So that's an indication of you potentially hitting a nerve with somebody who's feeling so much pain that they're not going away. They want they want you to solve that problem for them. Um, so these are like some ways to um, pay attention to it and kind of see what it is, but really have a clear understanding of um, what your hypothesis is, what your criteria of success or failure is. Um, ship very, very quickly to validate that and be very comfortable with um, people um, you know, not having a good experience with the product, you got to make sure that at least the core experience, the happy path is working well so that you can validate it. I'll give you an example. Um, when we launched the first version of Product Monkey, right? Um, one of the first things you could do is just like upload an image and it'll give you tickets, right? We spent zero time worrying about this edge case where somebody uploads a picture of an apple um, or an animal or a person um, and then trying to see what comes up. 
because we know that individual is just trying to play with the tool uh, to break it or maybe to see what comes out of it. It's an interesting thing for us to pay attention to down the road, but given that we were really focused on this other hypothesis that product managers can actually use this to convert product design files, um, they find value in converting product design files to engineering task tickets, we just ignored all those cases. We didn't even bother creating an error page for it. We're like, whatever we get from the natural language model as a reply, we're going to present it to the user. And let's just focus on shipping this really, really quickly so that we can validate whether or not um, our tool is solving for the audience with the problem statement that we've defined. Um, and that allowed us to kind of ship faster and validate that hypothesis. Awesome. Thanks for sharing that. I think uh, ship faster and getting validated is a key thing um, in this journey. And that's very, very helpful. Um, I know we're like near to the end time. So I just wanted to see we have Adam on, on the call. Um, Adam, do you have any questions you would like to ask? Nope. Thank you. Okay, so uh, I'll just move on to my next question and add two more questions to go and then we can wrap up. Um, so thanks for sharing the validation part, which is very, very helpful. And I think it kind of touched based on also the, uh, like solving the pain points and a great way to learn that. Um, so a quick question about uh, building a product people love, right? And it needs a balance between the innovation and what market demands are. Like, as you said, like you were passionate about building product management exercises to help other PMs or, and also help yourself, right? So um, how like that kind of passion um, and then plus balancing the need for like what's out there in the market or the demand is, uh, yeah, how to strike a balance between the two? Um, so the two things that you're talking about, um, is the balance between, uh, what's in the market and what the user wants. Is that right? Yeah. What's the market demand? Um, I mean, to be honest, I don't spend so much time thinking about, uh, what others are doing. I'm more interested. I mean, sometimes I'm inspired by what they're doing. Right. Um, but I'm more focused on what the journey of my um, user base looks like and what sort of pain points they're dealing with, right? And if if I think about it that way, it's kind of like the Apple model, right? Like Apple doesn't care so much about like, you know, what kind of journey an Android user is going through and like how do they convert the Android user into an Apple user? They're more like, okay, if you're an Apple user, like how do I make you uh, happier, right? And it's very counterintuitive, but and what's so powerful about that approach is if they're extremely happy, um, they'll do the job of bringing uh, other clients for you, right? And and your or your other users for you so that um, business or the product will continue growing. So um, for me, the balance is usually um, tilted towards um, paying attention to what the users want. But um, I try to be very objective with what we think is uh, valuable to the user. So we have like everybody else at any moment in time, you have like a thousand different um, product improvement ideas. 
Um, but what we do carefully is we think about um, the impact to the user and um, the effort that it takes to ship it. And the third criteria that we keep in mind is, does it get us closer to our kind of end vision and our strategy, right? And um, between those three, uh, for me, impact to the user is very important. Um, then the objective, and then the um, the effort that it takes for us to um, deliver um, what we have in mind. So um, always start with the user. Always think about um, the journey of the user and kind of work through that. And I think um, in the long run, um, that'll serve you better. Thank you for sharing that. I think eliminating the noise because a lot of time while working on strategy or new initiative, people are over-indexing on like what does the competitive landscape look like? What does the market demand? Um, I think changing the focus more on the user, what pain points they have is extremely valuable. Yeah, completely agree. So just to wrap up this AMS session with you, and thanks for sharing all the great insights you've shared so far. Um, so um, one quick question and then uh, the summary, uh, I mean, in terms of what the key takeaways or something that you would advise for aspiring PMs or uh, aspiring entrepreneurs. Uh, so what would be one piece of advice and any tools or uh, frameworks that you will highly recommend for adoption and be more productive in this area? Yeah, so I think um, the number one thing that I would say for anybody who wants to become a PM um, is to spend the money that they're thinking about spending on like some sort of a course or cohort, right, to become a product manager. Um, spend that money. I'm not saying those are bad, but consider spending that money on building a product as well. Because when you actually build a product, um, you go through the experience of dealing with engineers, product designers, um, all the back and forth. Um, how do we product designers communicate with you and all that? Um, and you might decide that you don't like the, the um, that kind of ambiguous world that you're going to be living in all the time. And um, once you go through that, um, then it's a lot easier for you to decide, okay, this was the thing that really bothered me, or I was very curious and I just don't know how to deal with it. Therefore, I'm going to go um, read a blog post about it, or I'm going to go listen to a podcast or um, read a book. So um, kind of take a very, um, you know, action-based um, path for becoming a product manager, start building a product. And let the challenges that you come across guide you to becoming a better product manager. Um, just pay attention to the pain points that you as a user, right, of the product management career um, you're dealing with and try to go address those pain points for yourself, right? Um, and over time, that'll actually become better. So one of the questions that was posted here is, uh, which one book would you recommend to read? So one book that I really liked is um, The Mom's Test. So I've talked to people a lot about that book. And um, the reason I like about that book is um, it, it talks about how um, you shouldn't be focusing on the user's wish list, um, but you should be focusing more on um, the actual pain points that they go through. And a good example that the book talks about is like, if you ask me, 
uh, you know, do you eat healthy food? I might say yes. But if you're asking, what did you eat last night? I might say I had pizza. And this is kind of that difference between the wish list and the um, event-based conversation. And you want to really try to like better understand um, your users and the journey they're actually going through. So um, throughout my conversation with my users, I never asked them, um, you know, what sort of feature would you like me to see? Uh, would you like me to build? Sometimes maybe we ask them a little bit if, if, towards the end of the interview, but typically it's about, tell me about your journey. Tell me about the last time you used the inter- product or let me see you, you actually using this. Um, that's going to tell us a lot more. I think that's very helpful. Thanks for sharing that. Uh, completely agree. If you ask users what features to build, you'll get like 100 features to be built, but yeah. understanding their pain point is extremely valuable. Um, great. Uh, thanks a lot again uh, for your time and sharing this insightful tips. So if any folks are interested in trying out product management exercises or product monkey or reach out to you for any follow-up questions, what would be the best way to do that? Yeah, they can always uh, reach out to me at bijan at productmanagementexercises.com or bijan at parkmonkey.ai. Um, always around. Uh, looking forward to speaking to your audience. Thank you. And if uh, folks wanted to sign up, uh, then they just go to productmanagementexercises.com and then sign up for the course or interview prep. Is that right? Yes. Yes, they can do that. And then sign up for Product Monkey. I can just go and then sign up for a free trial. Yeah, it's very simple. It's actually a free tool for the PM community. So um, you can just go in. Um, you can just like submit a link to your Figma page and we extract all the images from your Figma. You select the ones that you care about. You provide additional context and we give you all the tickets. Um, then once you see the tickets, you can convert some of the acceptance criteria into separate tickets with their own acceptance criteria. You can regenerate a ticket with some additional feedback. Um, so it's like really optimized for you to kind of uh, craft your set of engineering task tickets and PRDs. Awesome. Uh, I've seen the demo, but I really need to try it live. So thanks for sharing that and highly encourage folks who are listening to this. Hope they learn a lot through PM exercises and try definitely try the product monkey product to be more productive. Thank you, Vision. And thanks of course. for the session again. And thanks, audience and Adam for staying through the entire session and listening to us.